This is KCWG, thetruth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And once again, I'd like to thank the good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. And be sure to tune in on Thursday when he joins us again for our post-debate coverage. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm very excited to have this segment going on right now. We have two guests on the line right now. And uh, we have a very special guest that's back tonight. So before I bring her in, I want to reintroduce my good brother, legendary music journalist. Please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, the good brother, Mr. A. Scott Galloway. Mr. Galloway, are you there? Always on the one. Always a pleasure to be here. Scotty G in the house. Yes, sir. Scotty G. Man, I am so glad you're here to help me. Uh, talk to our guest tonight, man. She's uh, somebody that I've recently become a big fan of. Uh, out of New Orleans, she's a legendary crate digger, my brother, representing the Big Easy. And she's had a long-standing show on WWOZ radio station, I believe, and she can correct me if that's wrong. But uh, the sister has had it going on for a long time, digging in them crates, y'all. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, the good sister, DJ Soul Sister. Soul Sister, are you there? I am here, and I'm I'm thrilled to be with you all this evening. Uh, I love to talk about music, so we're going to have lots of fun. <laughs> we are going to have lots of fun. You already know Mr. Scott Galloway's on the line. So, uh, yeah. wow, this is quite a dream come true for me personally. I don't know about you, Scott, but I love the subject of this conversation tonight. We're talking about Atomic Dog. Atomic Man. Dog. Man, what went? So, so I'm going to get to you in just a second, but uh, you're, you're going to share a lot about the, the making of this track. But, Mr. Galloway, when, when you just hear the name Atomic Dog, what comes to mind? Uh, what comes to mind for me is being uh, in my very first major job working in the music industry at uh, a record store called Warehouse Records. Today it would be considered Uh-oh. on the corner of La Brea and Obama. But back then it was on the corner of La Brea That's right. and Rodeo Road. I was a music buyer <laughs> there, and let me tell you, Atomic Dog 12-inch version, we could not keep it in the store. We were a huge store. We would order hundreds of copies of this 12-inch, and within mm. a day they'd be gone. And then wow. Capital had pressing plant problems and couldn't get, you know, get them pressed up fast enough. That record, I mean, first the original 45 version, I mean, radio all over it, crazy, just, you know, one of those songs that came out of nowhere because dude's first single from that album didn't, it didn't do anything. I think it was Loopzilla. Right. I forget what they came with. Loopzilla. <laughs> it, it was something right. that, did, that was too out there. It, it wasn't on the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I always loved the song off that album called Get Dressed, but that's another story. Oh, Atomic yeah. Atomic Dog comes yeah. out and just totally obliterates the funk airwaves, and by the time they got to the 12-inch, because it was definitely a song that people loved to dance to, it was a clarion call to the dance floor for my brothers and sisters, or it didn't even have to be a dance floor. It could be the, the grass at the park or the sand at the beach or whatever. It was right. a party jam. And that 10-minute, 12-inch version was the one that everybody went crazy for. And I'm telling you, as the music buyer for Warehouse Records in-store, I'm telling you, we did not keep that record in the store. It it just flew out of the store. Wow. Well, DJ Soul, that's what I remember about the collect vinyl. Absolutely. (laughs) 
You know what? I, 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 I'm with you, and a soul sister is a vinylist, as you know, Mr. Galloway. Uh, so, oh, so yeah. Mr. how similar of an experience is that? You know, we're out here in California, but what, what Scott Galloway just said, how similar has that been for you out on the uh, southern southern region down there in New Orleans with this song? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, because when the song came out, I might have been seven or eight years old, you know. Well, I wasn't even I born yet. music I love, so <laughs> I don't, if people like it, great. If they don't, great. But I'll play because I love it. It's a classic to me. So that's how Absolutely. I do it. <laughs> that's how you do it. Well, you've been doing it for quite some time. Uh, we're talking about Atomic Dog. So wh- where should we start? How did you come to select this particular track? And how did it fit into your larger research as a renowned musicologist in your own right? Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, honestly, I didn't set out to to write a history of Atomic Dog. I don't think that the piece that I believe has gone viral um, mm-hmm. is a, a complete story of that. But it is more than a lot of people knew before. Um, right. And, and, and the origin of it um, was very simple in that I presented, uh, I present at, academic conferences related to music and musicology from time to time. And there was a call for proposals for one, the pop conference in Seattle this past spring. And um, I said, you know, George Clinton has announced his retirement. It's very real. I know there's been conflicting reports back and forth, but it is actually real because I checked with his publicist. And I just wanted to get it on the minds of people that we need to be documenting the history of P-Funk outside of just the mothership. I mean, with the mothership, as fabulous as it is, there are about 9 million more stories related to Parliament Funkadelic and George Clinton. And and while we have them now, let's do this work. So a a story that that had always been fascinating to me was the story of Uncle Jam Records, and literally within the, a short period of time, like one to two years, this the quote-unquote P-Funk empire takes a nosedive to the point where George Clinton is looking for record deal, and, and record labels aren't wanting to give him one. And within a short amount of time, he rebounds, and Atomic Dog is sort of the point of the rebound. The, the rebound, and it's it's fascinating. It's a comeback story to me about George and how um, what a genius he is. And so, you know, the story of the song involves George, uh, but prior to that, it involves how he gets a recording contract on Capitol Records, and that. That's a major part because the producer listed on Atomic Dog, one of the few times that you see a producer on a P-Funk recording that's not in the P-Funk world, Ted Courier has a production credit, and he he was responsible for the signing of George to Capitol. I tell that story in my piece for Red Bull Music Academy. And um, and one of the main things I was trying to find out, even before I, I met up with David Lee Spradley, 
who is a co-writer on Atomic Dog, was right. the song Work That Sucker to Death by Xavier, and um, which yeah. predates George's Computer Games album. The single that becomes an R&B hit, essentially, Ted Courier asks George to do some overdubs, George Quinn and Bootsy Collins. And they do it just off the cuff. And in the middle of the song, George is just riffing. And he says, you know, unless you're really paying attention to it, you won't pick it up. But if you know the story behind the song, it, it will blow your mind. George is like, we, you know, we, I think we got a gig now. Bootsy, you still got your, your union card? Xavier, they don't <laughs> give us a gig. You ready? You know, it, it, it was real. It sounded like, you know, just nonsense. It, didn't know the story, but now that we know the story, it's pretty, pretty fascinating. Oh, wow. Wow. And then Atomic yeah, There's another song in that time period, too. I, I can't remember if it came before or after Computer Games, but Jimmy G and the Tackheads, You Always Break My Heart, came out around the same time, too. And it was another 12-inch record that Capitol, you know, at that particular time, was sleeping on, you know, printed up some ridiculously small amount of copies of it. And again, we couldn't keep it in the store. So th there was a time, mm -hmm. that particular time period, George was was involved in a bunch of, uh, several records that were just, you know, taken off from like literally like nowhere. It's like Jimmy G and the who? What, what, who is this? Nobody cared about the group. The song yeah. was so funky and that was another capital one. I can't remember what label, what label was, was Xavier on? Uh, Soul System. What was that? What label? Yeah. What? Yeah. Do you remember? Liberty. Liberty. Yes. So it okay, was, and that was through Capital as well. Capital EMI, EMI yeah. part of Capital. Yeah. And it definitely was before computer games because that song taking off the way it did was sort of like a a, a boost in okay we may we're going to sign George and make the right decision, and I'm going to ignore everybody else telling me not to sign George Clinton. So this is this is what Ted Currier's story is, and I find his story to be fascinating as well. Absolutely. And all of that's in the story. All of that's in the piece. He could tell it better than I can. <laughs> well, it's a great story because, like you said, George was kind of persona non grata. He'd, he had had all these deals at other record companies, and I guess he'd kind of burned people and did different shifting money around and doing different things. Well, I don't really know the complete story about all of that. Yeah, but, it's, yeah it's, that, that, go ahead. That, there are various versions of that that I also talk about. You know, Parliament was on Casablanca Records, and yep. the visionary there, a lot of people are talking now about the news coming out that Neil, the film on Neil Bogart and Casablanca Records is slated to hit the big screen. So, so Neil Bogart Castleblanca Records is full of polygram. Neil Bogart passes away. The visionary who gave George the funding and believed in the funding to have the mothership and, and all of these other big picture ideas is no longer there. And poly, poly, uh, polygram is not concerned with any of it, especially since the, the final couple of parliament releases did not yield any, any major uh, hits. Uh, for them, um, the Warner Brothers and yeah, and Trump population, yeah, mm -hmm. and you know there were issues with Warner Brothers. 
Uncle Sam Records, um, sort of never never took off. And then I sort of hint at uh, Zap and, and then the many facets of Roger and Roger Troutman being like the mm-hmm. nail in the coffin of Uncle Sam Records. So so it was it was a weird time and then Ted Courier is there, he's a DJ. Uh he he was a a, a radio DJ and A and R person, but he was responsible in the seventies for popularizing disco mixing uh on the New York City airwaves. And he had his ear to the ground with what was popular with young people. That's why Atomic Dog has that backward sound. Ted Courier, Ted Courier um, asked for that, you know. And, and then another piece of the, the story of Atomic Dog is David Lee Spradley, the keyboardist who is listed as a co-writer of Atomic Dog along with George and with with Gary Sider. So um, his, his, his part is huge. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> My favorite part of the Atomic Dog story is the fact that that track was playing was playing backwards, and um, I, I think the first time I heard about that story was in the documentary Tear the Roof Off, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they were, the gentleman was kind of telling, you know, I think that the, they, they didn't even intend for the track to be like that, but but George liked it. He heard it, and he just started, you know, you know, this is a story of famous dog. He just kind of went into you know, this whole rap about an atomic dog. You know, I guess that was what was on his mind at the time. Uh, it was something he just kind of, you know, George can just riff like that, you know. It's amazing yeah. to, to watch him work and to imagine him doing that. I actually got to see George in the studio while he was working on the Cinderella Theory album, the first one for Paisley Park. And he was, you know, at the mixing board. Penny Ford is in the studio uh, and he is feeding her line for line the words to a song called Tweaking. And, you know, it was just, it was an, it was crazy. You know, it's like, he, you know, he had a yellow tablet with the lyrics written, and he would give her one line, and she would sing it, and he'd give her the next line, and she would sing it. Uh, so I can only imagine, I mean, that was in the 90s. So back in the 80s, him doing yeah, right. you know, Atomic Dog to this backwards track and just kind of riffing off the top of his head, you know, uh, well, something he's thinking about on an Atomic Dog theme. My God, you know, yeah, that's, just, you know, crazy. Well, that's one of the things Ted Courier told me. I mean, he stressed that George was a genius, and he, he told me about how they would um, – take long drives, you know, before the recording process happened, and um, they were just brainstorming. So Atomic Dog was something, was a title that came up during one of those those drives. Now, George showed up to the session later uh, than, you know, the, so let me clear up one thing. Atomic Dog was not recorded in one one evening but the initial one a lot of major things happened that first night and then a lot of added layers uh happened on top of that and this is according to david lee spradley there are a few things you know that didn't wind up in the piece uh, in the red bull music academy piece and one of which uh ted courier saying that he made the decision 
to have a backwards track because he knew as a radio person that would get people's attention much more quickly. And he was also trying to go for the electro sound that was popular with Kraftwerk and also at Africa Bambata and Soul Sonic Force. And then one of the things David Lee Spradley told me, the keyboardist who also sang on the on the track because Gary Scheider urged him to, even though that was the only P-Funk song he ever sang on, the only one he ever laid a vocal on, um, mm. he said that it was snowing. It was freezing cold. He was snow. It was snowing that night, and basically, he and Gary Scheider laid down the rhythm. And he also stressed that Gary Scheider, the uh, legendary rhythm guitarist and P-Funk band leader, um, veteran, laid all of that down. So that by the time George got there, he had had a long night, let's say that. And he was struggling to find the beat. He was struggling to find the beat. They had to help him to find the beat, and he found it, and, and the lyrics that he wrote were, um, as as David Lee Spradley shared with me, you know, timeless. Uh, but the, some of the vocals had already been laid down. You know, uh, Spradley also talked about Malia Franklin started panting like a dog, and Gary Scheider said, yes, keep doing that, let's do it. And then David Lee Bradley said they, they panted so much that they didn't have any more, you know, moisture left in their mouths. They, they recorded so much <laughs> panting. Um, <laughs> and then, I, and David said George was there maybe 30 minutes to an hour, did his thing, and then, then he was gone. And then the the building on top of the foundation started happening over several more sessions. Mm. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you've got hooks within hooks in that song, you know, yeah. dog catcher and, and uh, why must I be like that? Why must I chase the cat? You know, uh, you got a keyboard solo in there <laughs> and George's ad libs and, and, uh, and then you the got barking. Lyrics. Yeah. yeah. The lyrics, and, and, you got yeah. barking, the wolf. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. And you got that sonic uh, presence of that backward track just holding everything down. So did I hear you, did you, hear you correctly, Soul Sister? David Spradley said that was the only song that he sung on? Did, did I hear you correctly Yeah, on that? that is what wow. he told me. Um, and, and he said, it was funny, he shared that uh, Gary Scheider wanted... A lot of different vocals, not just trained vocals, but just a, a kind of a gang feel. So David Lee Spradley, mm -hmm. he's a keyboardist and right. not a professional singer by any stretch of the imagination. And he said, Gary said, come on, sing. And apparently, uh, David Lee Spradley, his voice was so high in the mix, it is the, it is the loudest voice in the mix and did not like did not like that fact, you know, was kind of um, not feeling it. But Gary left it anyway because it, 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 it adds to the every man feel of the vocal mm. and of the recording. And then he said that that's the only <laughs> P-Funk vocal I ever did while I was, you know, working with them. Wow. And he was there for a long time. 
Yeah, he was. I remember that name on the funk tune. That was a lot of fun. But when I read your story, you know, it, it, it like you said, it wasn't something that just came about in a day, and it wasn't just spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, I think a lot of times we can have a tendency to think that, or you know, not so much us. I mean, we might have a certain level of this, but other people might, you know, they just never really think that there's a whole lot going on with funk records or whatever. So, oh, you know, they just came up, they got a groove and a beat together and the crazy story about Atomic Dog and, you know, it was just kind of put together and boom, it became a hit. It's like there was really a, a, a lot of layering and thought and concept that, you know, as crazy as it was, you know, it wasn't chaos. It was definitely put together, you know, in a certain oh, way yeah. to make an effect and that effect worked. And, and um, I think that's really important to mention also in the context that I have to put this in there last year, my girl, Michelle and Ocello did a completely 180 degree different uh, arrangement of the song, which she has already done for a parliament or a, I should say a George Clinton song one other time before, which was better by the pound. Uh, She recorded Mm -hmm. a version of that several years back, but what she did with atomic dog, you know, with acoustic instruments and, uh, and there, it, it was just amazing. So it's like, you know, there is a song here. It is a song. It's not just yeah. like a jam, a fun jam. And, you know, you know, if for George Clinton it was, you know, it had all those elements, all those different vocals, all those special effects and things going on. But it was still a song that could be stripped down and, and played with acoustic instruments and still be funky. I mean, it's like I'm talking banjo, acoustic guitar, um, drums, wow. you know, bass. You know, Michelle got down with it, and, and it gives you a whole nother insight into the lyric, you know, to, for her to sing wow. uh, from a woman's point of view. And, you know, to not have all that noise going on, and you can focus even more on the lyric, you know. So I just wanted to give props mm. to the, the three oh, gentlemen that are credited with writing that, because it is a song. It's not just a dance champ. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Spradley spoke very much about that, that it was a long process. They were they were having fun, but it was a special night because they um they believed they believed in it, you know. It it was it was something something different and uh I have to shout mm. out the engineers at, at United Sound Studios in Detroit because, you know, on top of the work that the musicians and, and the producers and the vocalists did, then you have the, the engineers who who crafted, you know, who put their touch on it as well. So yeah, also to make sure all those elements could be heard and felt. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was so impressed with... Um, the fact that, you know, Scott, you talk about Michelle uh, sort of reformatting it to let people know the creative range of the song. At the end of the day, it's a song. And I've always yeah. seen uh, whenever they've performed it live, like between the two of you, Scott and Soul Sister, how often have you seen Atomic Dog being performed live by P-Funk? Have y'all ever seen that? Oh, yeah. I have. But I, I go to see P-Funk like many times a year, so... I don't think right. we've seen it to where they haven't done it. <laughs> exactly. Scott, what about you? 
Yeah, you know, I, I don't go as much. Uh, I've went a, a couple of times, you know, the funk mob thing, you know, um, I'm cool on it. I, I go uh, check in with, I'm, I'm going to try and check in on George this year, obviously, because this is supposed to be the last tour. But, you know, right. George plays Los Angeles several times a year. And, it's sure the whole, I mean, you know, they have so much catalog, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, I used to go in the days where more of the legendary people were in and out of the band. Now it's a whole new situation. Um, I hope I'm not rambling here, but so yeah, you know, I've been, I've seen Atomic Dog done, you know, on right. shows. I've seen it done on George Clinton shows and on P Funk All Star shows, and then when they called it Parliament Funkadelic. So it's probably been about at least four times that I've seen it. But like okay. I said at the top of, of this segment, what I remember more than the song being performed is whenever that song is played at a party or in a club, that I just I have very clear visions of people just they, they fall right into it. You know, they fall into yep. it. Sometimes the guys are doing one part and the girls are doing another part or everybody's just mashing out on it on the dance floor, having a party. Those are really my visions. I think in concert, you know, it's I don't have any clear memories of it. I know it's been that I've seen them perform it, but it's really more yeah. about the way the song affects people in the club. And that's what I would love to hear Melissa talk about, you know, like like how you would strategically drop Atomic Bomb into one of your, I mean, excuse me, Atomic Dog. It is a bomb, though. Set. It is a bomb. It is a bomb. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, like when you know, like, when a DJ knows when it's time to play a song like that, because probably got a couple of them that, you know, once you play that, it's got to give you a hard road to go of what you're going to follow up flashlight with, or what you're going to follow up a Thomas dog with or whatever, because those pretty much obliterate the party, you know, literally it's got to be hella strong. <laughs> oh, probably yep. something current yep. brand new that everybody's into is what I would imagine. But Melissa, what, 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 when you program Atomic Dog in one of your sets, what are you thinking about? Like, how do you use that as a DJ? Well, I, that's a different kind of story because I, I, I'm a little different than a traditional DJ. So I, I, I can't, the only way I can answer that is saying I'll play it if I feel like I want to play it. With, mm -hmm. so another DJ might say, oh, I'll play it at the peak time of the night or whatever. I, I, I kind of go by my, my own rules. Sort of like George. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if well, I feel a feeling, but like you said, you love Get Dressed off that album. I, the way I do things, <laughs> I probably play Get Dressed more than I play Atomic Dog just because I like to play things people might not necessarily know. And that's why she's my soul sister right there. That's right. <laughs> Come on now. Well, I tell you what. Right this there. is KCWG, the truth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome, and we're joined tonight by the inimitable DJ Soul Sister out of New Orleans and the incredible Mr. A. Scott Galloway on the West Coast. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking tonight about the making of Atomic Dog. Uh, we have a few more minutes left, so I was hoping to squeeze in a couple of bars of it. So, Mr. Starks, if you're ready, let's drop a couple of bars of this amazing track. Why don't we? And then we'll come back and finish up with Soul Sister and A. Scott Galloway. So stay tuned for more. We'll be right back after this. Could you tell us the background story of many people's favorite song, Atomic Dog? Oh. And when did you realize, George, that you had a massive hit on your hands? Wow, I guess I better tell you that one. <laughs> yeah, don't look at me different, y'all. <laughs> Those are the days of 
crack rock. I was a, I was a crackhead big, and that's what it was. I was out of crack. And I went in the studio, and they was cutting without me. And you get a real attitude when you're out of crack, and they cut without you. I run into the studio, they had taken the tape and turned it over backwards, because they were going to put an instrument on there backwards. And then they was going to flip it back over. I come in not knowing that they had planned to flip it back over. Hadn't even heard it. Give me the microphone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record. They look at me like, he don't do this, so he must be on one. So I go in, I go in the studio, and the tape come on, and it's <laughs> so I'm no key, no music. So I'm waiting to hear what the key is, so I start talking. This is the story of famous dogs. For the dog that chases his tail will be busy. Now I'm trying to kill time. I don't know, I'm waiting on some keys so I can start singing. And then you know how long that goes on. And finally I just went into Atoll. Why must I feel like that? Why must I chase the cat? The murder dog in me. And that was it, you know. And Gary comes on and instead of fixing and telling me that the tape was backwards, he put the harmony over top of that. So now we boxed into this backswing track. So now they have to put the music on again. So you got two different kind of musics on it. Some is backwards, some is forward. That created a Tommy Dog. That's why we could never do it again. <laughs> it was just me tweaking out there, <laughs> feeding, you know. And that was a Tommy Dog. So it really worked good because I was dogging myself out. <laughs>
Franklin back there doing all that panting right there. This is KCWG, thetruth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And, of course, that was the incredible Atomic Dog by George Clinton, David Bradley, Ted Courier, the late, great Gary Scheider. Oh, my goodness, what a track. We have A. Scott Galloway here as well as DJ Soul Sister breaking it down. So, Soul Sister, thank you so much for doing this work and this project. Uh, the preservation of this culture is so important, and you are definitely doing your bid to make sure that we keep tracks like this and their very inception alive. So before I let you go, uh, Scott and uh, Soul Sister, I had a thought of just the uniqueness of this track. It's like George was talking about it. It almost happened on a fluke, right? I mean, this, this track was not supposed to come out this way and scott you even said when he was doing tweaking you know they they do it in layers they don't just do it all at once so it's a very very unique track it's a very special track and uh real quick because we're almost out of time i think about how moments like this can just never be duplicated can never happen again because of how unique the sessions were scott uh you might remember roller coaster by the ohio players and that scream in the background where people back in the day used to think somebody was getting murdered back there and then i remember uh uh, Prince is another lover holding your head where Susan Roger was talking about how they uh, recorded the background vocals first and that's why the background vocals kind of lead the lead vocal and that's why you have that interesting effect with the lead vocal and the background vocals on that Prince track, Another Lover Holding Your Head. Just stuff like that sonically is just so unique and just specialized for that moment that we're likely not to see something exactly like it ever again. So DJ Soul Sister, uh, final thoughts for you on the, uh, the creation of Atomic Dog and its legacy going forward. DJ Soul Sister. Yeah, my, my, um, if, if I had a final thought about this story, it's that, um, wow, it, it, it is a reminder that there are fascinating stories behind all of these songs, and it takes uh, a whole crew to get that sound uh, just right, you know, um, between George and George Clinton and Gary Scheider, Malia Franklin, and uh, David Lee Spradley, and all of the voices that came together, Ray Davis, you know, the two drummers, um, Dennis Chambers, but apparently most of his drum work was left out. There's a little section that was left in of him, but the majority of the drumming on the song was Gary Mudbone Cooper, who people don't actually associate with as a drummer, but more as a vocalist. You know, the the stories are are waiting to be told. So if anyone gets anything out of this piece, let's tell some more P-Funk stories. 
Absolutely. Ah. Thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Galloway, can you do it real quick in about 30 seconds? I, I just, I, I'm going to piggyback on her, you know, particularly when it comes to the PFUNK camp, you know, the more stories that come out where we get to really find out all the different players, specifically who did what, it was always the thing for me when I was growing up. I could point to all the other funk groups and know who did what pretty much. But in the Parliament Funkadelic world, I mean, it's, 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 it's a lot of mystery. So I applaud uh, Melissa for doing the work that she does. In the, in the world of P-Funk because I always want to know who of the hundreds of people who have come through that camp, you know, were involved in each specific song. So, you know, my hat's off Absolutely. to you, Melissa. Keep doing your thing. Absolutely. Uh, I concur. I will piggyback and pork rhyme back on that. Um, so important that you do this work, and I learned so much just in this little segment tonight. So thank you so much for coming by, DJ Soul Sister, my good brother, Mr. A. Scott Galloway. I also want to thank Jeffrey Keller. Uh, Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us next Monday. We will return. And also check out our after-school special on Thursday evening when we kick off a Dizziatic Nation post-debate coverage of the Democratic presidential debate. So my name is DJ Rome. My producer is Frank Starks, the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care.